Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. So I am going to go ahead and get started this morning. My name is Leah Carl, and we're going to start with Exodus 3, 1 through 15. The title of today is called God Is. So Exodus 3, 1 through 15. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign, that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I say? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. So we can also find this in the New Testament as Jesus began to reference who he was when he was here. So in John 18, 4 through 6, it says, Then Jesus, knowing all that was about to befall him, he was in the garden being ready to be taken away to be crucified, he went out to them and said, Whom are you seeking? Whom do you want? And they answered him, Jesus, the Nazarene. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who was betraying him, was also standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they went backwards, drew back, lurched backwards and fell to the ground. The Greek says in those words, they actually staggered, they stumbled, and they fell to the ground hard. So this was not the first time that Jesus had referenced himself as the I am. In John 8, 58 and John 13, 19, he also did it there. So when they heard these words, 
they knew that the Greek words he was using when he said those back in those times were, uh, the Greek words were actually translated, I am. So the word he was added in by the translator. So what he actually said during these times was, I am. So he was answering <clears throat> with a strong declaration that he was the great I am. And the, the, the great I am of the Old Testament, because many of them knew that story. So the power and the authority in that name, the name that is to be remembered for generations, pushed them backwards, caused them to stumble and stagger and fall down. The weightiness of who he is knocked them down off their feet. So 18 years ago, when God brought Brian and I here with the divine purpose to establish the church specifically in this area, and we did have opportunities. There were a few other towns, other people heard we were coming and were like, hey, we need a church here. Hey, we lost our pastor. But we knew that we were to be in this specific region. And it was a divine purpose, a divine assignment. But even with that, there was uncertainty in my mind and in my heart. The, there were insecurities of my ability to do this assignment. So I had these rolling around my head of how this would be. And my husband has preached before and shared about when we were reno renovating the family home that had been in the family for 200 years, and we took off the laths and plaster, and plastered to one of the walls was the newspaper clipping, and it was a whole page of it, but it was the Missionary Alliance. It was dated June 1840. We were going to move here in June. And it had said on it, I will be exalted among the heathen, and the desert will blossom like the rose. So in that process, when we were here beginning to start the renovation, it was God's promise, a, a divine promise, because of, of the things that I personally was feeling like, I can't do this, no way, you know, like Moses, I protested, no way I can do this. But God knew what we needed to see that day. So he shared that. So we were running this, renovating this home to become home to our family, and we had four kids. Um, Three, ages 3 to 13 at that time that we were moving up here. So in that moving there, these were his promises. Seeing that there, these were his promises to us. This is where you're to be. It was our burning bush, maybe. It was my burning bush, maybe. So with his prompting and assurance after seeing that, that he was with us and leading us, we started the preparations to move in June of 2003. So as we did that, I began to ask God, what is the message that I need to give when I come here? So I'm not an uh, out there person, like I don't need to draw attention to myself. Uh, really, typically, my favorite colors that I wear are black and gray because it's kind of, you know, it's not this big, bold, whatever. I don't need to do that, but I really felt like God was saying, put something on your license plate. And I was like ooh, that'll really draw attention. And I was like, uh. So I protested like Moses. I'm not sure about that because I'm not sure I want to have people, you know, ask me about that. Um, but I knew I strongly felt his prompting. And I felt him say to me, put this on your plate. I am. And I was like, mm, protest again. Just a minute. <laughs> because I am. People will be like, you're what? Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> you are, you're not all that. I mean, I had all these thoughts in my head, so I'm like, uh, 
how do I put I am on a license plate? And um, it eventually turned to God is. So this was the actual license plate that I had for quite some time. And it became God is. And I felt in my heart that everywhere that we would go, everywhere I would drive, that I was establishing this truth. I felt like for me, this is what I could do. And so I began to, I, I was very conscious and aware this was on my license plate too, because I, it helped me to drive better. <laughs> I was like, God is a kind driver. God is nice. He doesn't say and yell out and all that, which I don't really do that, but I mean, there's sometimes. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't drive as fast as over the speed limit as you do. So, but I would declare this and even establishing that he is and who he is, and I really felt like it was even establishing the very foundations of this church. The, the DNA of this church is to declare to this region that God is. The DNA of you, it wasn't just me and Brian and our kids, you, as the body of Christ, planted here in this place, is to say, God is. Declare it to this region. Because sometimes we lose heart. Sometimes we're not sure. What was the calling? What, what am I doing? What am I doing here? I'm just surviving. We're not just surviving. I would remind my kids as they drove too. Remember what's on your license, my license plate as you're learning how to drive my car. You know? Remember who you're representing. <laughs> oh, that, they love that. So a lot of times people would ask me what it meant. So it did open up opportunities. One day I was pulling out of the high school, Camden Hills, and there were some guys in, front of the car, uh, in the car in front of me, and they were leaning out the window, and they were hollering, God is what? God is what? So in the few seconds I had to reply back, I leaned out my window, and I said, God is what you need. <laughs> I had a couple opportunities, though. People would ask me, because some, there was one man who was a little upset because I was declaring God is. Believe it or not. You don't have to, you don't have to believe it. If you, you believing it or not doesn't make it true. He is. He exists. Some discussions. Now, in the past 18 years since then, fears and insecurities and inabilities and doubts and all of those things have risen up in, in the past 18 years. And I have needed to go back and remember this. I've needed to remind my soul. I've needed to remind myself on the journey God is. And it's simple, it's basic, and I knew I was supposed to preach it today. For the past month, it's been rolling around in my head. And I knew it, but I was even questioning, why would I speak about this, that's something that everybody knows? They know who God is. They know what he is. It's going to be like, this in my head, it's going to be like, she didn't really have to prepare for that. That was pretty easy. But I will tell you this, that the things that sometimes we walk through, the soul preparation, the life preparation that forces us or brings us to a spot where we kind of forgot and then we need to remember he is, is much harder than any book work preparation that might have to be done. So what's coming from today is the soul preparation, the life preparation of a journey that we are all continually on. And so as what I want us to do is I want you to remember what you're walking through 
What is it that you're facing that you need to be reminded? Because I felt God strongly say, remind them who God is. Help them to remind themselves of who God is. Not just who he is, but that he is. He is. And so as we do this, and and you don't have to be facing something bad to always be reminded of who God is. In the good times, remind yourself of who God is. Because sometimes that's when we need it the most because then we think, I got this. So we remind ourselves. And so I pray this morning that our hearts are good soil, as Pastor Quentin has preached, that we are ready to receive, that our ears are hearing what he is saying to us, particularly for our situation of where we need to remember and need to know who God is. So I'm praying that this morning that we have ears to hear what he is saying and a heart that will receive it and the grace to walk it out. So what you hear this morning as we go through who God is, grab a hold of it and don't let it go. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my plan will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. God is Alpha, he's Omega, he's beginning and end, he's creator and author and finisher, he is. He is your protector. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says, you will guard me from the evil one. Psalm 32.7 says, you are a hiding place for me. He is your protector. When you might feel vulnerable and uncovered and not sure what's going on around, no matter what situation, you can say, you are my hiding place. He is your shield. Genesis 15.1 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your abundant compensation and your reward shall be exceedingly great. Those are who he's declaring himself to be, not who we're hoping he'll be. Psalm 3.3 says, You are a shield for me. You're the glory. You're the lifter of my head. Psalm 28, 7 says, you are my strength and my shield. He's our refuge. He's our fortress. He's our rock. He's our stronghold. If you look at Psalm 18, that whole chapter is, I love that whole chapter of Psalm 18. He says, I'm your rock, your refuge, your fortress, your deliverer, your shield. And he talks about how he sees what's going on and he comes down out of the heavens and the smoke blows out of his nostrils and the lightning comes out of his mouth and he's coming down and he's riding on the clouds of darkness And he's got darkness around him, but he is the light that is coming down. And he comes down and he rescues and draws you up out of the waters when you're not sure what is going on around you. This is who he is. He draws you up. And I love it. I think it's verse 19 in there where it says, and he delivered me because he was delighted in me. Many times I used to read Psalm 18 a long time ago. And I used to read it with the, the bent of, he's mad at me. That's why the smoke's coming out of his nostrils. He's, I've done it again. He's mad at me. And then you get to 19 and you're like, wait, he was mad at what the enemy was doing and coming down to pull me up because he delighted in me. This is who God is. Psalm 27.1, he's the refuge and stronghold of my life. 
God is our shepherd. Psalm 23, we all know that. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. When you feel like that sheep that's lost and wandering in the field and maybe gotten away from everybody else and you don't know where you are, he is your shepherd that says, hold on, guys. This one over here, I got to go get him. And he comes and he finds you and he picks you up and he puts you and he says, come on, we're going to go back. He is your good shepherd. He is your present help. Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, mighty and impenetrable to temptation, a very present and well-proved help in trouble, not just for your future. God, I need help here, right here in the moment. When you find yourself in a moment, you could say, God, I don't know what to do, but you're my present help. You're a well-proved help in the time of trouble. Hebrews 13, 5 says, you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. You are my present help, oh God. He's your light. Psalm 27, 1 says, he is my light and my salvation. There is no darkness in him. But as I said in Psalm 18, he was in the darkness that was around. So when you find yourself in darkness, emotionally, mentally, you're, there's just a darkness around you, and you know you love him, you know you're saved, you know you're not in sin, but there's just a darkness. He's in the darkness. He is the light in the middle of that. John 1, 4 and 5, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines on in the darkness. For the darkness has never overpowered it. Put it out or absorbed it or appropriated it. And it's unreceptive to it. This is who God is. The light, the darkness can never put him out. John eight twelve. Once more, Jesus addressed the crowd. And he said, I am the light of the world. Again, he's declaring who he is. We're not saying this. We're not demanding him to be something. He's saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me, key, follows me, will not be walking in the dark, but will have the light, which is life. So all of these things that I'm reading, he is. He's there for you, and he's inviting you to come in and be a part of who he is and accept him and receive him so that he is and can be these things for you. He is salvation, Psalm 27, 1, Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God, my salvation, I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and song. Yes, he has become my salvation. So when you feel like, I need saving, maybe not just for my sins, but in this spot, I need some salvation. Or you know somebody and you declare, you are salvation. This is who you are. He is defender. Again, Psalm 18. These are just a fraction, okay? Fraction of what's in this word. Dig it out. Find it for yourself. You participate. You go in and you say, here's what I need. He's your strength. Isaiah 41.10. He will strengthen you. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Though the fig tree does not blossom and there's no fruit on the vines, though the product of the olive fails and the fields yield no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there are no cattle in the stalls, and I said it this morning, and though there's no baby formula 
and though there is no uh, fuel prices that I can even afford anymore, and though there is inflation, and though this is happening, and though it says that there's going to be a food shortage very soon, and though, and though, and though, all the unpredictable, all the fear, all the stuff, and though all of that, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in the victorious God of my salvation because the Lord God is my strength. He's my personal bravery. And, and he is my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk. Not stand still in terror, but I will walk. And I will make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, my suffering, and my responsibility. Though all of this, you are this to me. And you will, as I walk with you, you will, I will make spiritual progress. He is your provider. Philippians 4.13, he will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Matthew 6 talks about how he clothes the flowers, how he feeds the birds, and it says, how much more valuable are you than they? He will clothe you. He will feed you. When you trust him and put him first and seek him, he is for you. He will provide he is your anchor. Hebrews 6.19 says, this hope, Jesus is our hope, is an anchor to my soul. He is your healer. Jeremiah 30.17 says, I am the Lord who heals you. He is your constant. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father with whom there's no variation, there's no turning, and there's no changing. He is your constant. When you yourself and your inner self, it feels all over the place. But you're my constant. I sometimes can't be trusted. But you can, and you live in me, and you're my constant. This is who you are. He is your confidence. We sang about that this morning. Proverbs 3, 26. For the Lord shall be your confidence, firm and strong, and shall keep your foot from being caught in a trap or some hidden danger. You are my confidence. You are love. 1 John 4, 8 and 16 talks about that God is love. He's always love. That's who he is. He doesn't just have love. He is love. God is life. John 1.4, in him was life. John 10.10, he came to give life and give it abundantly. John 14.6, he's the way, he's the truth, and he is life. He is your peace. Ephesians 2.14, for he himself, our peace, our bond of unity and harmony, he has made us both Jew and Gentile, one body, and is broken down, destroyed, abolished the hostile, dividing wall between us. So when you feel there is no peace, whether it's in your own home, whether it's in your workplace, friends, the world, whatever it is that you're in, and you feel there's, where's this peace, and you feel like you've lost it, he is my peace, who has broken down every wall and divided the hostility. And one of the things we want to be careful, though, is to not, uh, I'm not going to try to say, God, Make him peaceful. 
Make her peaceful. Break down her wall. Break down his wall. God, it starts with me. You are my peace. You live inside of me. So thank you for breaking down every wall of hostility that is dividing me. He is faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains true. He's faithful to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. So with this, I want to go on a little bit of a, a story of mine about faithfulness. And, and we sang it this morning, and, and Jen beautifully spoke some things about God being faithful. This is a key thing for us to remember, because there's a lot of things, whether it's ourself or those around us or situations that can be unfaithful or feel like they're just not there. So a couple years ago, uh, I have a friend who's a life coach, and so I typically, every month, will meet with her or call her, she lives in another state now, and call, and we'll just kind of, I hit walls sometimes, I don't know how to get past them, and a life coach is there to just kind of help you navigate and give you truth. And so um, as we were talking, I was mentioning my journey of my trust journey that it's kind of been here and there, and maybe I trust, maybe I don't, don't trust myself, don't trust other people, uh, maybe I don't trust God. I trust him, but I really don't trust him. Like, I trust him 80%, and then, okay, and I'm trusting him 95%. You know, the weird things that make up me <laughs> and who I am. And so I've had that journey of, I do love you, I trust you, I know your word, but there's this piece that maybe I just need to, I'm not trust how you're going to do that, so I'll kind of help you. And I can't really let go sometimes, depending on what it is, especially if it's close to your heart. And so don't always fully let go. Honesty, right? I'm being really honest and vulnerable right now. Don't use it against me. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so I, because of my personality is the kind, I'm a, I'm a logic person, I, I, if it makes sense, then it's good, I'll go with it. I need tangible things to kind of see and know and, and prove to myself. And, and so I, I told my friend, I said, I need a tangible thing that I can do to show God how much I'm going to choose to trust him in this really hard spots. And so I, I said, I need something intentional that I'm going to do that will say, help myself, but also show God. Intentionally, this is what I'm going to do. So I decided to get pennies. And I said, I'm going to carry pennies around, and I'm going to have this little jar at home, and it's, I put on it trust fund. So I would, when I found myself in those situations where I knew, I knew where I was, I knew I couldn't let go, I knew I wanted to micromanage God and how he did it, because that's typically my nature, really learning how to not do that to anybody anymore, um, but intentionally having a coin to drop in every time that I was choosing to let go, not just trust, but choosing to let go. And so I got pennies, and I maybe wouldn't have the understanding in my letting go, but that's the part I needed to let go of and trust. So I did that, um, and don't think I have this huge penny jar, because I don't. <laughs> still a little one. But here's what happened. Through the months that I did that, and I would do it quite often, um, I found myself not coming to that spot anymore. Like, wait, I think I'm, I think I'm 
beginning to trust you way more and way better. So maybe I don't need to drop them in as much. Still have it, and there's still spots. So the other day, three days ago, something that really touched my heart, I've been praying about for a long time, um, and when it, when it comes to your family, there's just things that well, you want to let go, but you're a mom, and so you don't know how to do it. And, and so very much touched my heart. So I'm trying to learn how to trust in this. God, I've spoken the word, said the word, and not sure where you are right now, why you're, well, here, let me tell you how to do this. And so I began to fall into my thing of how to trust. So the other day, it was very strong. I mean, it like had, I don't know if you've ever felt it just kind of overtake you and you just like, like you can hardly function because you're trying to walk through and you have everything else going on around you that needs to be done and there's other pieces. I get out of my car, I pulled into work, I got out of my car and I looked down and on the ground was this penny. And this penny is like, it looks like the pavement because it's, I don't even think the bank would take it because it's just in such bad shape. But it like popped out. And I was like. <laughs> and God said to my heart, you can trust me. Remember? I know how to do this. I know that person way better than you do. I know their heart. You can trust me. So I reached down and I picked it up. And I was like. And he said, you see how unrecognizable that is? Sometimes that's how your faith is. You, don't, you can't even recognize faith. You can't recognize trust. But I'm still going to take it. Still going to take it, drop it in your jar, let it go, and trust me. So you see, in the middle of all that, we don't just remind ourselves, but God reminds us. He says, I'm faithful when you're faithless. I am faithful, and I will remind you because I love you. And I love what you love and who you love. I will remind you, I'm faithful that you can trust me. So this is going into my little trust fund jar. But remember that. He reminds us too. And, and there was this little old man after church today, the first service. And he came up to me. I've never seen him before. I don't know him. And he said, do you know what's written on a penny? I'm like, in God we trust. Duh. I've never connected those two before. Anyway, I do now. In God we trust. Isaiah 33.2 says, God is our judge, our lawgiver, and our king. This is who God is. Our judge, our lawgiver, and our king. Isaiah 9.6 says, the government is upon his shoulders. The government is on his shoulders. I'm going to stop here for a second. He carries it. We don't, and he has big shoulders. He can carry. What we do is we rest in faith of who God is. And then we ask him to show us how we can participate with him, with our words, our actions, our lives, in whatever arena and area and however he wants us to do that. We do it with who he is, realizing He's carrying it. I don't have to. He knows. End from the beginning, all in between. 
He is our hope, Psalm 71.5. You are my hope, O God. He is with us, Emmanuel, Hebrews 13.5. I will never leave you nor forsake you, Matthew 28.20. I am with you always. He's our comforter, our father, our counselor, our friend. He is the way, he is the truth, John 14.6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He is wisdom when you don't know what to do. He's wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.23 and 24 says, Christ is the power and wisdom of God. Colossians 2, 2, and 3 says, In him all the treasures of divine wisdom are stored up and hidden. So when you need wisdom, ask him. James tells us, ask him. He is omnipotent, which means all-powerful. Hebrews 1, 3 says, He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outraying or radiance of the divine. And he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. He's talking about Jesus here. Upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. When he had by offering himself accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt, he sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on high. The sole expression of God's power is who he is. Omniscient, he's all-knowing. 1 John 3.20 says he's above and greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Psalm 147, 4 and 5, he determines and counts the numbers of the stars. He calls them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is inexhaustible and boundless. He knows everything. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Psalm 139, 7 through 10. Where could I go from your spirit or where could I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the place of the dead, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. He's there. Proverbs 15, 3. This is where we get that little song that says, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little hands what you do, and all that song that you sang when you were little. Um, his eyes are in every place, keeping watch over good and evil. He knows, he sees, he's all-powerful. And after all this time, God has not changed. This is who our God is. Trust what you do know about God more than what you don't know about the future. Sometimes we get it backwards. Sometimes I get it backwards. Trust what I know about him more than what I don't know about the future or that situation. I rest in my faith of who he is. And it's more than just knowing the truth of who he is. It's actually owning that truth and living that truth of who he is. Reminding ourselves, letting him remind us, wait, God is. No matter what's happening in my world, my own personal world or the world at large, God is. He's not changing. He's not stopping. And he's not just for old people. He's for young people. He's for all the in-between. God is. So do you remember John 18, 4 and 6? When Jesus declared who he was with all that power and authority that came with that name. And it pushed back and caused them to fall under that power. Think about this. There were 300 to 600 trained Roman soldiers, temple police, Every one of them had a weapon. One man. All these people. They came to capture Jesus. And they're announcing, I'm looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, boldly, I am. And a blast of God's power was unleashed 
so strongly that it literally pushed them, made them stagger and stumble and fall backwards hard to the ground. Here's the thing. And then they get back up and they say, he goes, who are you looking for? <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth. I am. <laughs> but you see the power in his name that is to be remembered for generations and not forgotten. Jesus was proving he couldn't be taken by force, that no one was going to take him. The scripture had said that. But he was going to willingly surrender, voluntarily offer himself as part of God's redemptive plan for us. He had to show, you can't take me if you try. You can't touch this. That's not what even in the surrender, the power of who God is and his love was strong. Even in the surrender, stronger than what came against him. When you declare, you are indicating a fact or a belief that you have. The Hebrew word is akra, which means to make known. So when you declare, you are making known what you believe. You may not feel it even, you may not even be sure how you believe that. But declaration in indicating what you believe is necessary. So what's coming at you that's being pushed back with your declaration of who God is? Not what you're hoping him to be and not what you're demanding him to be, but who he's already declared himself to be. When you've acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and you believed on him uh, with all of your heart, you believed in what he did, death, burial, resurrection, um, and you've repented of your, your sins, then his spirit comes to live inside of you. You become a new creation. You become born again. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in you. 1 John 4.15, he abides in you. John 1.12, he gives you the power to become that child of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And Luke 10.19 says, he's given you authority over all power of the enemy. That same authority where Jesus declared, I am, when you stand up and you declare, God is over all the enemy. And what's coming against you gets pushed back. So what are you pushing back with your declaration of who God is? Have you kept silent? There's no judgment in that because I've done the same thing. Sometimes things can get so heavy and so muddled and so dark or so whatever that you feel like, I don't even have the strength inside me to say it. I don't even have what's, I don't have it. I just don't know. There's something inside that you've been putting in, putting in, putting in, taking the word, taking the word, putting it in, putting it in. Something inside is, it's in there. He's in there. And he'll come up and say, I'm your strength. I'm your peace. And you look down, and I'm not kidding you, this was the same color as the pavement. I stood there in that parking lot, and I was like, I know people driving by, if they were looking, were like, what is she doing? And I just stood there like this, or like a minute, and then I put my head up, and I'm like, thank you. 
Thank you. And they're probably like, what is she looking at? <laughs> this is who he is. So what I want us to do as we close, um, if your spouse is here, or your kids are here, and you're not sitting together, I want you to come together or get together with a few friends, little little group of you. And I told him in the first service, this kind of stuff always can be really awkward. But I want the, to let the awkwardness be broken. Because too many times we get awkward or intimidated or afraid to get with the group, to say something, to pray something. Where do you think that awkwardness and intimidation is coming from? Because the power in that of being open. You don't have to share details. I'm not asking you to share details. I'm asking you to share, this is what I'm up against. This is what I'm facing. And I want to declare God is this. Would you agree with me? I want you to come into agreement together. And this especially gets awkward with husbands and wives and families. It really does. And I told them, you know, first there is that sometimes it's maybe because we know them so well. So, like, really, you're the woman of God? <laughs> I know what, yeah, I really know you, and you just weren't such a woman of God during that moment, so who are you to, or vice versa? And so then we get this awkward, weird feeling with our kids, with each other, and we don't necessarily pray or speak the word at our home or do whatever. It can be that way. The one time I timed two of my boys, <laughs> I said, sit down. We, we um, have the evidence of speaking in tongues, so we pray in the Spirit. And I said, you're going to strengthen that gift in you. So sit down, pray out loud, two-minute timer. <laughs> Awkward, yes. And I said, if I don't hear you, I'm adding another minute. I want you to develop this gift. Awkward, weird. But we did it. Because I'm like, I'm tired of the enemy shutting us off from each other in that area. Don't let him shut you off in that area. And it really needs to begin in homes. That's why I say if your family's here, get with your family. It needs to begin in our homes. In our homes and the next home and the neighborhood and the region and the community and the state and the nation. That's where it starts, right here. Because we make, I think, I think Pastor Quinton said there were 17,000 homes in Knox County represented. Start with the one you're in. Start with your heart. And so I want us to come together. And, and if you don't speak up, if you're in the group and you don't speak, there's no judgment there. There's just grace and invitation to begin to step in. Even if you're in that group, just step in. Come into agreement and pray. So that's what I want us to do. I want you to declare to each other and come into agreement who God is. Be bold in it. Speak with courage. Speak with faith. Speak with hope. Speak with life and truth. This is who God is. So, Father, I thank you as they gather together in these groups. I thank you that we are declaring who you are in every situation in our life. No matter how old we are, no matter how young we are, no matter whether it's a good situation or bad, doesn't have to be a bad one. We're declaring this is who you are to us. You are truth, you are life, you are hope, peace, joy. You're a warrior, you are victory. You are what we need. 
And we declare that into these homes, into these relationships. We declare God is. He exists. He is. He is yesterday, today, and forever. And so I thank you, Father, for the boldness that as they do this, it will not just stay here, but it will go out where they go this week, into their homes, into their workplaces, into the worlds they live in, into schools, that there is a God, and he's true, and he's real. Thank you, Father. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.